from Montreal. Around the world. Jeremy White Podcast. With Bistan. For the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal, it's got to be Bistan. Visit Bistan.ca. And Loudtracks.com. Helping fans connect to their favorite artists. 100% high quality, officially licensed band merchandise that supports the artists you love. Visit our official band merch store at Loudtracks.com. Now. The Jeremy White Podcast. Hey, Paul, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm just turning this up. Good. There I am. Awesome. By the way, um, how does it feel to be up at like 1030 in the morning? Is that because the kids or are you just used to being up early? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> you know, once once you have kids, uh, all bets are off. You 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 know, your, your life isn't your own and probably better for it. You know, it's... Uh, I can remember a time when I used to sleep till two in the afternoon, but that was because I was going to bed with the sun coming up. And <laughs> now the if I want to stay up uh, all night, that's my business, but I'm getting up in the morning. The good old days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm rolling there. All right. So let's get right into it. I know we're going to talk about this new album, and I'm really stoked about this because I'll be honest with you, I've been listening to this album over and over again. It's so good. Um, you know, the, the response has been, uh, I can't say anything other than it's been phenomenal. Um, I, I think everybody, um, whatever their expectations were, it seems to exceed that. People are are very happy with it. And I, I certainly was. I, I, I uh, you know, the band is phenomenal and we have such a great time together. And I think that shows not just in the music, but in the videos. And if anybody's seen us live, um, so it's been very, very gratifying. Just um, uh, gratification on gratification. It's been gift on gift on gift because, uh, like I said, the the response from from people I really respect and and uh, have inspired me. Their responses have been just awesome. Yeah, and you know, listening to the songs. Well, first, I I feel like you know this band wasn't necessarily a recording band. It was a live band that's now transitioned to the studio. And you've got guys that have played, you know, with Stevie Wonder and Whitney Houston and, you know, all these phenomenal musicians that are really, you know, were a part of that scene. How does that elevate your performance in the studio with these guys? Well, first of all, I, I think what you're saying is is very on target, very perceptive. The, the This was not a band that uh, was assembled in the studio, and then we're going. Well, let's go out and play. This is a band that usually it's usually it's that studio. Yeah, that's usually how it works, right? Usually it's a studio, then it goes live. Whereas you did it backwards, and which is much better because it shows. Um, uh, To be with these people, it's um, look. I'm uh, I'm humbled, (laughs) but I'm I'm. I'm also having a, a, a great time and um, we're all on this almost crusade of sorts. Um, this music that, that we're doing is uh, music that's been relegated now to pretty much being little, little samples and rap tunes and that's okay. But the songs are too great to not be heard. And yeah. whether it's recorded or live, the it's just great, great music. And uh Everybody in the band says, you know, uh, we do other things when we're not doing this, but this is all we want to do. I mean, it's really a, a family. Um, 
it's so cool because so many different backgrounds, ethnicities, nationalities, and uh, we're all bonded in this. And we just have we have a ball. It just sounds like you're having tons of fun recording this stuff. And even the originals that you did for this record, it's like. I was transported listening to, you know, like IOI and different things. And I'm like, it, it really does sound like a product of the time. Like you were taking all the influences of those records, those are, you know, the stacks and, you know, the Motown. And I really got transported and I wasn't even there, but I grew up listening to all those stuff with my grandparents and even my parents. I've DJed weddings in the town that I'm from. It's like, it's that kind of vibe. And the originals, I was like, wait, are these covers or are these originals? And it even translates into the production of the record, too. Like, it just sounds so good. So I, you, you did a very good job, you know, recreating that sound. Thanks. I, you know, it's interesting because sonically, it doesn't sound like those original uh, recordings because time's moved on. And uh, Well, yeah, you got uh, Pro Tools and it was, you know, four-track tape back then. But it's like, it still sounds, you know, like an Al Green record if you, well, if you slap because- it on. I think what what uh, it's not that it sounds sonically like those records, but what it what we've captured is we we play live and and uh, we love what we're doing. So that's really um, that's lacking in a lot of music nowadays. So when you hear that, you go, "Wow, it sounds just like the originals." Well, if you put the originals on, you'll see that sonically. They're 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 missing. The performances are amazing, mm-hmm. but uh, as far as the fidelity of it, we wanted to we wanted this to sound like like uh, a recording today. But what's missing and sets it apart is is clearly um, just the idea that uh, there's human beings making music. Yeah, there's a big difference, you know, from a horn section being programmed and actual humans blowing into those instruments and just getting the vibe going in the room. Did you guys cut it like live off the floor, like everybody? Or um, we did as much as we could. I think um, the the rhythm section um, did about. I think we did about nine tracks okay. in a a little over a day. And nice. uh, uh, yeah, and then even uh, that in itself is like old school recording, going into the studio and banging them out. Crazy, you know. Nowadays, and I, I totally get it. People go for perfection over passion, and mm. uh, that wasn't. We weren't beating our heads against the wall to to make everything perfect. We weren't. We weren't watching this on a computer screen, and that's what a lot of music is made now. Right. You look at it on the computer screen, and and you you fix it that way, as opposed to just listening, and going. It sounds great. You know, it feels great. Um, what about that one spot? Forget about it. If if people are that tuned into that one spot, then we failed. Right. No, that makes sense. And it's interesting because, you know, through your career, I, I always felt like you were a singer that just so happens to be in a rock band. Like, you know, even when you did... Uh, the Phantom stuff, and you know, now with this, it's like it's a completely different direction from what you were doing with Kiss. I mean, like, is is this in a way going to be your Rod Stewart moment? Well, that's funny. Well, Rod <laughs> loves the album, so that's a good thing. He <laughs> he's he just uh, can't say enough. So that that's a a, a funny one to bring up. But um, you know, I I've always seen myself as a singer who sings rock as opposed to a rock singer. It's a choice yeah. I make. And when there are some people who say, well, stay in your lane, 
I'm on the freeway and on the freeway, I don't have to stay on my lane. You know, um, I do what I want to do because it's, it makes me happy. That's why I got into music is for that freedom. Um, so, um, I think, uh, I'm right on target. I'm, I'm doing what I love doing. And whenever I do what I love doing, it finds this audience. Yeah. You know, and, and I say, you know, it's a completely different direction from, you know, the dolls and raspberries inspired kiss tunes from the star child, you know, how, how different doing that stuff to this. Honestly, it's no different because the same rules apply. Um, uh, good songwriting is is based on you know um, certain tenets, so to speak. You know certain things that you do. And um, look, I was immersed in this music when we were doing it, and uh, the shows and whatever we were doing. So writing the songs wasn't a matter of let me write in the style of or imitate this or that. I'm I I was in it, right. so. Um, writing the songs the same you know type of rules apply and and uh, I, it kind of goes almost back uh, you know you, you've got holland dozier holland you've got norman whitfield you've got um uh you know i mean the, the list is endless um uh philly so you got kenny gamble and leon huff yeah. but even beyond that the brill building you had People like Carol King and Jerry Goffin in one cubicle, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil in the next, Jeff Barry and Ellie Greenwich, and all these people would be competing to write for every artist. Mm. And the reason they could do it was because, you know, you understand the foundations of songwriting. Right. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, a good song is a good song regardless of the genre. Yeah, the the genre may change, but the structure usually is is the same. Um, as far as the orchestrations and doing the strings and the horns, you know, I, I've got great great uh, inspirations. Uh, Tom Bell and uh, Gamble and Huff and and Paul Reiser at Motown. All these people did these beautiful symphonic um, arrangements, and part of the music I listened to growing up was classical so you know it's it's not it's not a stretch it's just another side of what i love doing yeah when you guys end up get back on the road and like do this stuff live and do some shows like can are we gonna see like the paul stanley soul station live at the wind las vegas residency or is this gonna like go on the road is it gonna be like a come come see us in x city sure Uh, we we did uh for example i mean other than our our single shows uh here and there um we did 12 shows in six days in, in Japan. So, um, yeah, we, we, we love doing what we do. And uh, um, Vegas, well, Vegas isn't the Vegas it once was. And, you know, that, that's just a, a... Yeah, but the cool uh, thing about, uh, and I said the win is because, you know, this, this kind of music, it's like, I'd like to go have a cocktail, hit a couple of slots, go see Paul Stanley Soul Station with this, you know, old school cool music. Like, you know, you go, you go to a classy resort, not like Planet Hollywood or somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, also, um, you know, us playing, we, we've played clubs and, and uh, it's all great. Anytime you can get people packed into a place who... Um, are up for a good time and love this music. Um, even some people who are just being introduced to this music, 
to me, the music's undeniable. Mm. And um, people who sell themselves short by saying, oh, I only like this kind of music. That's like, well, you may love hamburgers, but you want to eat them, you know, breakfast, lunch and dinner. I sure <laughs> don't. You know, um, you know, you're malnourished if you only listen to one kind of music. You're lost. I totally agree. Let me ask you this. You know, you said Rod Stewart loved the album. What did Gene think of the music? Gene loves it. You know, it's it's so much a part of our our roots. You know, um, we text each other all the time. A couple of days ago, I, I texted him and and sent him uh, a a hidden and and kind of unknown gem um, from Philadelphia uh, by a group called Candy and the Kisses that. Uh, Kenny Gamble had written a song for, and yeah, we're you know, you know, um, before I ever saw Zeppelin or all the bands that inspired me on that level, I will you know I saw Otis Redding, I saw Otis when I was fifteen, I saw Solomon Burke when I was ten, so uh, the Temps, so it's it's uh, it's part of the foundation of what I do. Um, if all I listened to was music that was similar to what I wound up doing, I don't. I I think I would have missed the boat. There's there's a lot of influences in Kiss that aren't obvious at first, but you know, I mean, for example, uh, shout it out loud. Um, the way the verse goes up. Well, the night's begun and you want some fun. Do you think you're gonna find? Think you're gonna find it? Right. Well, that answer is the four tops. Right. You know. So. You know, um, good recipes have little bits of different ingredients in it. And, you know, my music's no different. So now I'm just focusing on a, a part of it that uh, I'm really passionate about. Uh, some people said, well, is this a vanity project? No, it's a passion project. Mm. Yeah. And it looks like you're just having an absolute, like an absolute blast, like playing the tunes. Like you just see you smiling in the videos. And I'm like, Paul's having a damn good time. It's awesome. I mean, to be in the midst of something that big and grand and all those instruments, you know, look, um, I love the Delphonics. I love the stylistics. I love uh, the spinners, uh, the temps. So to hear that music around me and to be singing it, you know, it's it's hard to beat. I'd love to see this live and like you just kick into like J.R. Walker and the All-Stars, like Shotgun or something. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, the band is great. And, and again, we, we, uh, we, we go for broke when we play. How do you think Kiss fans are going to react to the music and the album? Because, you know, there's a big portion of the fan base that's like, ah, oh, what's Paul doing? You know, so how do you think are, they're going to react? Because I'm a Kiss fan and I'm, I'm all invested in this. So it's all it's whatever you want to do. You know, I, I, I don't lose sleep over that because I got into music for the freedom of it. Right. So uh, if if somebody doesn't like it, well, you can't like everything. But if you're immediately um, negative about it because you don't want me to be doing it, well, that's that's crazy because um, I can't live and never wanted to and never will within the the, the confinement that someone else may set for me. You know, if all you want me to do is one thing, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. Let me ask you this. Why not get Peter Chris to be in the band? You know, he loves this kind of music. He was taught by Gene Krupa, you know, Paul. 
<laughs> that was a joke. Um, um, you see, I'm smiling. <laughs> Uh, listen, today's a big anniversary. February 10th, 1978, Van Halen released their debut album. I spoke to Gene back in December, and we had a whole conversation about Edward, but I, I never got your perspective on the whole Van Halen thing and Kiss and all that. You know, what was your reaction to that album when it came out, you know, 43 years ago now? And, you know, was, was there any truth to, you know, Eddie and Alex potentially joining Kiss at some point? You know, I can only speak for myself. And, and, I went to the Starwood, which was a club in L.A. There was a, a group of clubs that you could kind of do a circuit and go around to these different clubs and uh, make a night of it. And I went out one night actually um, with Lita, Lita Ford, mm-hmm. and we, we went to Starwood, and she was more familiar with the bands who were playing that night. And uh, there was a band that did Detroit Rock City, and they did a cool version of it. So... Uh, I said to Gene, come on down, you know, the next night. So he came with us, came with me. I don't know who else came, but um, and uh, weren't a handful of people there, but uh, they were they were on fire. And Gene got up and and left where we were and went and talked to them and and uh, took them in the studio, did a, did uh, demos with them, and. Uh, then uh, brought the demos to our manager at the time. Mm. And honestly, um, I was against uh, our manager signing them because I thought that it was a critical time for us. And Mm. Gene is very drawn to different things as I am. And um, I didn't want him to lose his focus. So uh, in any case, our, our manager uh, Bill O'Coin had passed on them, but it was uh, in no time after that, that that they got signed to Warner's and, and the album came out. Um, uh, look, they, t- they took the world by storm. They were an amazing, amazing band. Dave was the guy. I mean, you know, I mean, just phenomenal on stage. And yeah. the whole band was like a steamroller. As far as... Uh, joining Edward joining us or anything like that. I I have to say, I didn't ever hear that. Um, I was on the phone with him a, a, around that time. He was calling me. Um, and I think there was tension in, in his band. And he was, uh, he was asking me, for example, why we did solo albums, why we had to do that. I, I think he, he felt that fracturing within his band. But as far as uh, anything beyond that, uh, wanting to join us or anything like that, I I have no, I I can't say no, and I wouldn't say no. I right. don't, I don't know. Hmm. I, I'll leave that to Gene. And when that first record came out, you know, because today is the big anniversary of that, it's like, you know, what was your initial reaction when you first heard Van Halen like on the radio or that album? Were you kind of were you blown away, like, oh wow, like what is this, or were you just kind of like, eh? Kiss. Well, I knew I knew what it was. It was Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounded great on the radio. I mean, Running with the Devil sounded ridiculous. Um, look, it was undeniable. There are certain things that come along that are undeniable. And uh, it's just a matter of, of watching the momentum uh, as it goes along. When that album came out, it was, uh, okay, here's a game changer. And every band that they played with um, 
suffered the the uh, consequences of of having them opening because they were just a, a force to be reckoned with. The you know you, you didn't want to follow that. Um, Ozzy says you know as much you know about uh, the the shows that uh, Van Halen did with Sabbath. Yeah, just they would blow them off the stage every night. Um, let me ask you this, you know, after Van Halen came out and, you know, with Ace slowly and Peter leaving the band and stuff and you're bringing in guys like Vinnie Vincent, you know, you kind of went away from Ace, who was basically playing Paige's licks, to Vinnie, who now has a whammy bar. Was Eddie Van Halen sort of like an influence on the scene at that point where you kind of said we need more of a hot gun slinging guitar player? Totally, totally. Um, it really became the uh, what people expected um, a few people stuck to their guns and 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 stayed within, um, you know, the 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 context of what they had been doing. But for the most part, yeah, it was the time of of guys. I have to say, most of them were just pale imitations. You know, mm-hmm. um, there was Edward and there was uh, Randy and a couple of other people, and then there were just a lot of people you know, knocking it off. But yeah, we, uh, we were conscious of what was going on. And uh, because we had members changing and, and the band was in kind of like a, a state of transition, we, we, we adapted. And uh, then a lot of bands, I mean, certainly, you know, there was a, a period where the, the stones were doing, um, um you know miss you or and uh right you know, um you know uh loads of loads of bands were were kind of like kind of stepping out of the lane a little bit yeah you know stepping out of the lane to to keep going mm. you know, honestly and uh you know um we 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 got off at some interesting exits but we got back on you know, on the highway. Yeah. See, I'm a big fan of like of 80s Kiss. You know, I'm rocking my Hot in the Shade shirt today. Officially, you know, officially licensed KissOnline.com. Uh, mm. there's, a, there's a big <clears throat> resurgence of 80s Kiss on social media from younger fans, older yeah. fans. Um, you know, talking about End of the Road and talking about the set list, I was joking with Gene. I'm like, you know, I totally get you guys, you know, you stick to the hits and stuff. But there's a big portion of the fan base like me who've seen, you know, four End of the Road shows now where it's like, it would be so cool if you guys dropped something like, you know, let me go rock and roll and did, I'm not saying, you know, throw in Turn On The Night, but it's like, you know, maybe throw like an extra 80s Kiss song in there, you know? I think the 80s are represented as they should be. Um, I think you have Lick It Up. Mm-hmm. I know that Heaven's On Fire has been in. Which is great, um, by the way. Um, thanks. And uh, uh, War Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's there's enough of it. And again, when you've got 30 albums or whatever, sure, you can keep changing it up. Most people don't come to four shows. And the person who comes to that one show deserves the best set list possible. And um, somebody who, like yourself or, or um, you know, a fan who goes to multiple shows... You know, it's not the Grateful Dead. You know, we're, we're not going <laughs> to jam for an hour on any tune. Um, it really is. Uh, these are the songs that made us what we are. And these are the songs that have gotten us to where we are. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, with the high prices of concert tickets now, fans kind of expect a perfect performance, no matter which city that they're going to, you know? So Totally. I, you know, I maintain that uh, this may be your fourth show, but it's everyone else's first show. And that's what we have to focus on is uh, I'm, I'm honored and thrilled that people come back, but for them uh, and some of them, not all of them, but for some of them to say, gee, I wish they'd mix up the set list. Well, this is the optimal set list. And um, we also have incredible technology and everything has to be um, computer assisted from the lights to the pyro and everything. You can't suddenly in the middle of the show go, hey, let's let you know, let's throw in a two timer. It right. just you just can't do that. And honestly, most of the audience would go, what's that? What's that song? Mm. So to, to get the heart fluttering of, uh, you know, a few people at the expense of the, the audience no, can't do it. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of there's a big misconception out there about you know these these arena acts where it's like there's so many moving parts you know from every song having you know its tracks and its production going and syncs and everything going on you know it's like, like you said you can't just bust out a brand new song you know you don't have a light setting for it you don't have a screen setting for it you don't have a production setting for it so yeah you, it's it's just not it's not it's not possible and again it it doesn't serve the masses. It serves a handful of people who I'm very glad that uh, they go to multiple shows and I'm, I'm glad that they followed us for years. Um, but the overwhelming majority of people will tell you it was an amazing show. That's what we have to um, really focus on. I fully agree. You know, the people that are usually moaning about that stuff online is like the guys that do podcasts and they're doing their, you know, kiss bracket challenges and they're like, oh, they should have done this or should have done that. It's like the obsessed weirdo fans. And I'm just like, I'm good. I want to go and enjoy the music and have a good time. You know, some of those, you know, and I'm not saying it about all of them, but some of them should just go upstairs and, you know, have their mom make them a sandwich and (laughs) and kind of calm down, you know, um, I, I get it, um, but the the people who just kind of like harp on that, mm. there's a whole lot more to do in your life, you know. And and uh, I suggest you kind of lighten up a bit. Yeah, Kiss has a really interesting. Like I'm 26 and I wasn't there, but it's like you know for the last 10 years of my life I've been so into it, and I see you know a portion of the fan base on. It's almost like like I work in pop radio on a daily basis, and like you know when One Direction was doing their big thing, and it was like all the fan fiction and stuff. And I'm like it's interesting to see these 50 year old dudes like you know almost like writing Kiss fan fiction where it's like Kiss what ifs, the Kiss what if podcast and stuff. And you know if if I was you, I would just be like guys, like get a life. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm flattered. Um, when it takes a malicious tone yeah. or when it, it gets angry, that, that's, that's, you know, really misdirected. Um, if you want to, you know, um, focus in on, uh, you know, um, conjecture of what could have happened or what would have been, that's great. Yeah. But people who just obsess in a, a negative way, you know, go find something that makes you happy. <laughs> well, if it happens to be Kiss, more power to him, you know. Uh, 
Paul Stanley Soul Station debut record. Now and then, set to release on March 19th. You can get it wherever music is sold. More importantly, make sure you buy this on vinyl because it's going to sound so good on vinyl. Are you doing like limited edition like swirls and stuff or just straight up black? Um, there's, a, there's a limited edition purple one. Nice. And uh, then there's the, the regular one. And it, it sounds phenomenal on vinyl. And you get a you get a package, you know. We, we've we've forgotten, especially now that people are just getting streams and 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 the like. Covers don't even matter. Album covers, and mm. there was a time where an album cover meant something, and it was done by artists or it was a a concept piece, and it was something that you would hold in your hands, like I'm holding this cup that I'll <laughs> put in between my legs. But you know, you would hold this in your hands and open it, and it was something to. To, to sink your teeth into. So I'm, I'm grateful at the uh, resurgence of vinyl and the vinyl album. Yeah, it has a, it has a, a cover and, and uh, a, a note, you know, kind of giving a little bit of history of the band and, and how it came about and photos of the band. And uh, it's cool. Yeah, like a full, you know, it's, there's nothing better than going to a store. Well, you know, if we can go to the store at some point and buy this album, it's like, you know, get that in your hand, open up that gatefold, look at the artwork, you know, read the liner notes. There's no better experience than that when, you know, somebody that you love has put out a piece of art, you know, so. Well, music now, I, I get it, you know, and I, I understand it coming over the Internet and coming. But it, it's there's nothing to sink your teeth into to have a whole um conceptual project or, or, you know, where you have, this is what the cover should look like. This is what, the, you know, the label should look like. Those, those yeah. kind of things, I think, make for a much more uh, full experience. Yeah, artists today, they don't have the vision. You know, you come from the from the good old days when artists had a plan and, you know, wanted their fans to have something cool in their hands. Now it's just, that eh, swipe on the screen, you know. Yeah, but, you know, honestly... Um, it, that's just as valid. It's just that um, I remember something that I think I appreciated and other people appreciate. What else is going It's uh, You don't want to fall into the, the um, situation where you become your parents. You don't want to <laughs> fall into a situation where you go, oh, when I was your age, I was listening to real music. Well, <laughs> real music is really a subjective thing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, whatever somebody likes is real music. So um, I'm not here to judge anything else, but I'm saying there's something really cool you might like, and it's an album, you know, yeah. with a with a cover. Um, so, you know, room for everybody to do their own thing. That's it. Well, Paul Stanley, you said it all. This is so great. March 19th, pre-order it now, and uh, I'm just so stoked to get this music out there and for everybody to hear it because it's just so good. And like you said, it's good music that needs to be heard. So hopefully people hear it. Thanks so much. (laughs) This was great. Thanks so much for doing this. I'm a fan for life, and uh, we'll see you on the road when Kiss gets back out there to come to the end of the road. (laughs) I will see you. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Jeremy White Podcast, Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
The Jeremy White Podcast. With Boostan. For the best Lebanese cuisine in Montreal, it's got to be Boostan. Visit boostan.ca. And loudtracks.com. Helping fans connect to their favorite artists. 100% high quality, officially licensed band merchandise that supports the artists you love. Visit our official band merch store at loudtracks.com. Watch the Jeremy White podcast exclusively on YouTube.